Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Welcome to Catholic Education Plus. I'm Father Tom Burke, pastor at St. Mary Magdalene Parish, serving the communities of the East End, Homewood, Point Breeze, and Wilkinsburg sections of the city of Pittsburgh, and also the pastor at St. Benedict de Moore Parish in the Hill District. Hope everyone had a happy Easter. Now, for a long time, we've heard about how we need to prepare for the mental fallout from the COVID-19 pandemic. One national survey of 1,000 parents found that 71% said the pandemic had taken a toll on their child's mental health. And unfortunately, the schools across the country are starting to see that impact now. This morning, we'll get an interesting insight on this issue for both the elementary and high school levels. The Diocese of Pittsburgh Director of Catholic Schools, Michelle Peduto, is back with us this morning, along with Sharon Lockler and Brown. She is the South Regional Administrator, and also we will hear from Tim Sheridan, who is the president of Sarah Catholic High School in McKeesport, and he is also a licensed counselor. Let's get started with Michelle and Sharon on our first segment. Welcome back to the show. Good morning. Thank you for having us. And I hope you both had a great Easter and Easter break. Now we're back to school, huh? It, it flew by. Too, by. too quick, right? Yeah, it was yeah. wonderful, though. Now, Michelle, can you give us uh, the global perspective? How uh, this prominent uh, is a topic when your calls on the counterparts across the state, It's this is pretty serious. This is serious, and it is something we are all talking about. And I think we always have to remember this was two years of uncertainty, of uh, pivoting. We, so there were some new words that came into our vocabulary, right? Pivot. We have to pivot mm. quickly. We have to respond to notices quickly. Well, this set everyone, including young adults and children, on edge because you didn't know what to expect the next day. You didn't know if a quarantine was coming. You didn't know if you uh, were going to have virtual instruction or in-person instruction. So it created this, this time period, and we are all feeling the fallout now as we try so desperately to return to what whatever normal is going to look like moving forward. We had all hoped it would look like the normal before COVID, but we now realize that that's not the case and we're going to have to move into this in a different way. Yeah, I think we've all gotten used to new new words, flexible mm-hmm. instruction, in-person, virtual. Um, you know, those are things that we never even thought about, you know, two or three years ago. So uh, it's it's an ongoing flexibility for all of us, educators, students, parents, and staff. Absolutely. Absolutely. Now, Sharon, what kind of mental health-related challenges uh, do the elementary school children uh, typically face? So I think we started to see a little bit more of um, children with anxiety pre 
pandemic, but certainly since the pandemic, that has just soared with children um, exhibiting all kinds of anxious behaviors. And the uncertainty that Michelle spoke of, I think, is really very um, prevalent, not just with the children, but with our families. Mm -hmm. When you talked about those pivoting and virtual instructions, our families had a lot of issues where they didn't know what was coming from one week to the other. And that can produce a lot of anxiety and um, really some serious anxiety and some of the other crises that come with that sure. are things that we have seen with um, some of our elementary school students as well. Yeah, you would think uh, when everybody was stuck at home and the parents had to adjust having their kids uh, learn from virtually uh, and then uh, working from home, adjusting schoolwork with, with work. And, um, and there were some families that had to go to work uh, that that didn't stop working. And uh, it just really, the mental, I could see where the mental health would be across the board, not just for the students, but also for the parents and families too. Absolutely. Now, Sharon, what concerns are those related to the development issues that are showing up in our students? So I think, you know, we have some critical developmental times that our children have been facing and they didn't do the normal um, milestones at the times where we thought so, particularly maybe with some social development, we didn't see um, kids have normal conflict resolution, being able to problem solve. And I think that that has had an impact um, developmentally as well as socially, and it has impacted some of the behavior of our students as well, because when they did, we didn't miss a whole lot of instruction. As you know, we right. did a pretty good mm -hmm. job of um, being in person as quickly as we could, but it was different. We had socially distanced. We had um, a lot of differences in the way that we even ate lunch together. So some of those things that... Um, the places where we do social development in schools was not normal. And so, therefore, some of those developmental milestones didn't occur in the way that we normally think that they used to. Absolutely. And kudos to you and the other regional administrators, uh, the support staff, the faculty, the families, uh, the whole diocesan schools office really we, you know, after the shutdown and uh, coming back to school, everybody kind of just worked together with limited time, limited resources to try to get back up and running normally, so to speak. And it was that flexibility. So I think as a whole, looking back, everyone did the best that they could with what they had. I agree. You know? mm -hmm. Now, do you see any mental health issues that are causing behavioral issues? And what, what are those things that you're seeing? So as I mentioned, some of the conflict resolutions behaviorally um, have caused some very serious um, physical altercations mm -hmm. because, as I mentioned, the kids really did not um, have a lot of practice with some of their social and problem-solving skills. So we have had some um, more frequent physical um, kind of behaviors, particularly as the weather's getting nicer and we're back out on the playground. And um, some of those things, those behaviors that we saw maybe once in a blue moon are 
more school. frequent right. um, in each of our schools. And would you say it's across the board, not just the older kids, but also elementary, middle school, uh, inner city, suburban, royal? It's There's no, like, cookie-cutter effect on this. Would you agree to that? Absolutely. Yeah. We have... Um, as, as Sharon mentioned, we've seen an increase in the behaviors. And something we've seen, I think we can identify with across our society, is the increase in anger. Mm-hmm. Anger from frustration. Anger from not having a predictable routine. But we express our, our feelings as best we can, and children are the same. So we, we see increased anger episodes with children that are they're, they're frustrated. And they don't know how to turn that frustration into a productive response, and it goes in a different direction. And not just the children, but adults, too. Um, Most definitely. And uh, just how people drive, people in the stores. People are not patients. And uh, I talk to a lot of um, restaurant owners, how people are rude to the owners and the fast food industry, um, it, I think it's across the board. Uh, it is. And I think the pandemic has really stirred emotions for everybody, adults and children it alike. It certainly yeah. is. And children pick up on that. We have to be they more nice it. to people, right? We have to be nice. More patient. Kind. 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 Yeah, we need that. Uh, what challenges do you see trying to help our children through these issues? Any goals coming up? Well, I think that one of the things that we need to do is also empower us as adults and our staff and our teachers with how to help. So we definitely are looking at ways to um, give more support to our teachers, more professional development, um, more strategies and awareness and being able to really support them as they support this new type of um, behaviors that we're seeing. Mm -hmm. One of the other challenges, I think, is that we have to change our expectations. I think we are going to be collecting a lot of data uh, for time to come about how this has affected us, and we may have to look differently at what is expected of all of us, our students and their um, ability to be able to achieve to pre-pandemic levels may take us a little bit of time Mm -hmm. to get back to that. Um, I think those are some challenges that we are aware of and are really working hard to address. Michelle, do you want to add anything in these last minutes? I agree 100%. And I think we have to not, not have that framework in our heads that we are catching up we need to be looking at where our students are, where our families are, where everyone is, and meet them there and move forward and not put that pressure on people that we have to we have to achieve beyond where they're at right now. We just need to jump in where we are and move at a normal pace. And keep going. And keep right? going. Yeah. Right. Keep exactly. Forward. Right. And uh, now that Easter has come and gone and uh, we're coming to the end of the month of April, looking forward to May, uh, lots of wonderful celebrations. Uh, there's light at the end of the tunnel, so to speak, and I'm sure everybody's looking forward to the end of the school year. We certainly yeah. are. And to get outside and enjoy that warm weather, too, and Amen. try to, you know, just 
soak up the sun, so to speak, and and be nice to people would be and, yeah. what we all yeah. have to do, too. Yeah. So, Well, Michelle and Sharon, thanks very much for being with us uh, on this first segment. When we come back, we'll focus on the unique way that these, are, these issues are impacting our high school students with Mr. Tim Sheridan, who is from Sarah Catholic High School in McKeesport. Sharon Lachlan-Brown, who is our South Regional uh, Director. Michelle Peduta, thanks for being with us this morning. Thank you. Thanks for having me. We'll be back in a moment. You're listening to Catholic Education Plus with Father Tom Burke here on KDK Radio. Welcome back to Catholic Education Plus. I'm Father Tom Burke, pastor at St. Mary Magdalene Parish in the East End and St. Benedict the Moor Parish in the Hill District. And as we continue our discussion on mental health fallout from the COVID-19 pandemic in our schools, Michelle Peduto, who is our director of Catholic Schools, is back with us along with Mr. Tim Sheridan. Tim is the president of Sarah Catholic High School McKeesport. He's also a licensed counselor. Tim, we're happy that you're joining us here this morning. Happy to be here. It's great to be with you. Uh, You and I go back to my days when I was pastor at the former Good Shepherd uh, Parish in Braddock, and I was also a very short time the chaplain at Sarah Catholic. It was a record. I think you were with us for a solid three weeks, and they were the best three weeks I can recall. That was a quick assignment that the bishop (laughs) gave me, but uh, Sarah's always been near and dear to my heart, and uh, in the McKeesport, uh, Mon Valley community, very Mm -hmm. special uh, in my eyes. Uh, Help us to get into the shoes of a high school student, uh, which can be uh, very challenging. What are the important things that are going on in their lives, and how has this pandemic impacted uh, those milestones? Looking at it from a developmental standpoint, I choose, in fact, one of the reasons I I wanted to move into secondary education professionally was because I think it's the most critical period of time in one's identity formation, and school is a primary factor with that. Someone once told me that one of the, the most significant moments in a young person's life is when they enter ninth grade and their first bell rings to go to lunch and they enter the cafeteria and they decide where they're going to sit. And so if you take a quick synopsis of something like that and realize that it has been taken from so many young people that are going through those stages of development that are so critical it's likely going to have an impact that we can't necessarily predict or quantify right away, but something that's going to be studied for years, and the impact I think we will feel for many years. But it's not just that freshman entering the cafeteria. There's such a difference from one's freshman year to their sophomore year. It's amazing how they grow over the summer and how quickly they mature through that high school experience. And within a short period of time, they go from being those meek freshmen to these mature seniors ready to take on the next chapter of their lives. And so to take that normal social developmental functioning and almost rob about a year, year and a half of it, even though we did a wonderful job, I think, collectively in our Catholic school system, it was still a change that we all had to endure and go through, and we're continuing to do so to this day. Yeah, high school uh, is a tough time, and I have seven nephews, and my youngest nephew, uh, Keegan, will be graduating this year. So it's it's and just seeing my nephews uh, grow up how quickly and being a high school student in 2022 is not easy, and especially with COVID-19, it's even extra, extra harder. Absolutely. I, I think the impact of technology, while we have utilized it wonderfully for educational purposes, 
it has also been a damper to, mm-hmm. again, that what I would call normal social developmental functioning. Uh, we've become so dependent on it. Not only do children not go out and play as much and just, mm. you know, gather with each other outside, they're so dependent on their, their phones and looking at those devices that uh, it's really changing the way in which our young people grow. And this pandemic only exacerbated that a hundredfold. Absolutely. So how are our schools uh, trying to help our students uh, when you consider that their teachers are also dealing Uh, with the mental and emotional strain? Absolutely. It it certainly doesn't uh, uh, avoid any of us. We're all subject to it. But I I think, well, I know uh, at our school we've been very blessed to receive uh, supplemental services in the form of uh, counseling support from our intermediate unit. We were very blessed to receive a substantial grant that will allow us to continue that service for the next few years. But I know a lot of friends and colleagues in private schools and public schools alike that are really thinking outside the box and finding ways to bring alternative resources to help their students in any way that they can. Now, there have been a lot of scary health statistics uh, coming out of this pandemic. I read that from March 2020 to October uh, 2020, mental health emergency-related department visits have increased by 31% for those who are 12 to 17 years old. Uh, The article also said that a lot is related to increased uh, cases of depression and anxiety. Uh, Tim, have you seen or heard things in your circles to speak of of that? Sadly, yes. And that statistic that you referenced is sadly um, appropriate Mm -hmm. uh, or accurate. I mean, imagine a 1% increase of something that affects an entire population, Mm -hmm. let alone a 31% increase. That is extraordinary. And so we could potentially look at the mental health impact of the pandemic on our young people and realize it had more of an impact than any of the the physical toll that the virus could have caused. Um, And so I I know our administrative team at Sarah, our principal and assistant principal, our counselor, our student assistance uh, team, they have been working extremely uh, hard and well and effectively at identifying uh, students who need various types of assistance, finding ways of bringing it to them. And again, uh, I know we're not unique. This is happening Mm -hmm. everywhere. Across the board, right. Now, reflecting on all this, uh, what do you think is going to be needed moving forward to support uh, the student mental health issues? I think the saying that time heals all things is definitely not entirely true, but in uh, our discussion here, it's very applicable. I think time is going to be a great healer, but it's not going to occur overnight. Uh, I think I had visions uh, at points that I thought, well, after a week of the shutdown, we'll be back to normal, and then two weeks, and then a month. And I remember this very somber feeling of, uh, first, what was uh, a very excited student body when they heard, take your things home for the weekend, uh, we won't be in session. And then that was on a Wednesday afternoon, and by Monday morning, they were ready to be back in school. Mm-hmm. And so uh, it's taken time. It, it it took experiences from our young people that they can never fully recapture the end of one's senior year or the start of one's freshman year, whatever the case may be. But we can get back. We will get back. Uh, We will overcome these difficulties and once again be able to have that normal 
human social functioning in our culture that our young people so desperately need. Absolutely. Michelle, I'll, I'll let you close out these last uh, two minutes. Um, any bright spots that you've seen in all this or any activities or events that, or breakthroughs that have gotten to experience this? There's always bright spots. And of course, the mm. biggest bright spot is how we work together as a Catholic school community at the elementary and the high school level and the support that we gather from each other. Uh, in in doing what we need to do to fulfill our mission. But I think every time we have a prom, every time we have a game that feels normal again, our students have that sense. I just attended the um, PIAA Championships Mm. in Hershey, and it was wonderful to be there to see our students playing playing games, doing what they do, what they love to do on the court, and it felt good. And you could tell in that venue, everyone was happy, even when it didn't go so well during the game. But everyone was happy to be there and to be together. And um, I would say congratulations to, to uh, Our Lady of Sacred Heart boys. Mm-hmm. And to congratulations to Bishop Canavan mm-hmm. boys as well. And so many of our teams who went to the playoffs, Sarah included, didn't quite get that far, but did beautifully. And it, it, it's, you know, that's what it is. It's Let's take it day by day. Let's do the best we can tomorrow to make it the best day for our kids. And we do that enough times like we always have done in the past, and we'll get back to where Tim, what Tim's talking about. And now that we're at the end of April, I know prom season's coming up and graduation, so there's a lot to look forward to uh, with our high school students. So much yeah. to look forward to. Busy time for yeah. Tim and, and uh, Bob yeah. Childs out there at Sarah. Tim Sheridan, the president of Sarah Catholic High School McKeesport. Michelle Peduto, our director of Catholic Schools, thank you for being with us. Thank you, Father. We'll be back in a moment. You're listening to Catholic Education Plus with Father Tom Burke here on KDK Radio. This week in our Plus segment, we are featuring the second Sunday of Easter. This is also called Divine Mercy Sunday, and we will be reading the next several weeks, uh, the 50 days of Easter from the first reading comes from the Acts of the Apostles, how the early church grew, and how the apostles uh, were preaching and teaching and healing and spreading the good news. In this morning's Gospel of John, we see our risen Lord appears to the disciples uh, first. Uh, He appears with them and opens up their eyes and shows them his wounds. And somebody was missing. The Apostle Thomas was not there at the first appearance, but he came back a week later, and Thomas still doubted. Thomas had to see Jesus and touch his wounds in order to believe. And oftentimes we go through life, we have the doubts, we have the worries, we have the fears. Jesus' resurrection marks a turning point in the salvation of history and replaces a pattern of sin and death with mercy and new life. And the Apostle Thomas is a story that helps all of us during times when we face doubts. So enjoy the second Sunday of Easter. We'll be back in two weeks. Thank you for listening to Catholic Education Plus with Father Tom Burke here on KDK Radio. Baseball is back, and so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular season game on your favorite streaming devices, anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode and catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission.